Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights. My name is Abhilash Narayan, Senior Investment Strategist. On today's episode of the podcast, we'll discuss whether China's monetary policy tightening is over. Joining me today for this conversation, I'm glad to welcome Marco Iacchini, cross-asset strategist. So without further ado, let's start today's conversation. So Marco, earlier this week, we saw a surprise 50 basis point cut in China's reserve requirement ratio, or triple R, which is expected to boost liquidity by about 1 trillion uh, renminbi. Uh, Apart from that, we are also seeing other signs that authorities may be starting to unwind some of the tight monetary policies pursued in first half of the year. So is China's policy tightening finally over? Thanks, Abhilash. Pleasure to be on the podcast again. Um, As you said, uh, China's surprise uh, bank reserve requirement cut this week is a sign that authorities are starting to unwind some of the tight monetary policies that they pursued in the first half of the year. Uh, which were aimed at preventing the economy from overheating. We actually had turned uh, neutral on China's monetary policy outlook from a hawkish stance in June. So the latest PBOC uh, shift was in line with our expectations. But why do we say that? There are a couple of indicators in our view that gave way to the shift. First of all, overall credit growth had slowed below nominal GDP growth for the first time since the pandemic started. And second, although China's growth accelerated, It is now the only major economy which is expected to grow at a slower pace in 2021 than before the pandemic. And we believe policymakers are unlikely to let growth uh, slow significantly from here. Now, the good news is that China's successful vaccination campaign uh, from starting well behind the US and Europe, it has now inoculated half of its population. So as China's campaign continues, chances that it will achieve herd immunity by the end of Q3 are rising in our view. So this should help further normalize daily activities, help provide consumption, and as well help the services sector growth. So on the other hand, though, the I guess the not so good news are that inflation is likely a key constraint for authorities to use uh, policy further. And also we're seeing tightening regulation aimed at curbing monopolistic behavior in the internet sector and deleveraging in the property sector, uh, which are other risks. For us at this stage, uh, a good way to invest in China would be through US dollar denominated corporate bonds, as well as through specific long-term strategic equity sector, which are likely to benefit from targeted government policies uh, and from the ongoing global economic expansion. Some of these are obviously industrials and energy, but as well as uh, electric vehicles and semiconductors in the equity space. Within bonds, uh, we um, Asia dollar bonds remain one of our preferred areas given the improving corporate sector profitability, lower default rates, low volatility, and attractive valuations when compared to U.S. corporate bonds. That's interesting. So we do like Asian dollar bonds, but you know, generally we know that uh, whenever the monetary policy turns easy, local uh, bond markets generally react positively. So based on what you just mentioned, what are the implications of China's triple R cut on China's local corporate bond market? Yes, as you correctly mentioned, uh, Chinese bond spreads tightened noticeably, so therefore they reacted positively to this move. And uh, in this past week, they actually outperformed the rest of Asian counterparts quite significantly, especially in the high yield sector. Uh, but we cannot conclude that the PBOC has shifted its policy stance uh, decisively just yet. Um, and so 
usually when we look at triple R cuts, they tend to be a policy of fine tuning. And that's in order to one, prepare for near-term liquidity needs, and two, improve local government credit demand to support the real economy. So we will need to see further cuts in the in the triple R or even lending rates to confirm that the policy stance has turned decisively dovish. Now, having said that though, uh, we prefer taking this opportunity to reduce exposure in Chinese bonds backed by weak fundamentals and consider switching to our preferred bond asset classes. And here we favor US and European high yield corporate bonds due to the improvement in credit quality, but also high quality Asia high yield bonds that offer attractive valuations and controllable credit risk. Thank you, Marco. Now, moving on to equities, we have seen the value style underperform growth style equities uh, since around mid-May. Now, with 10-year Treasury yields rebounding from recent lows, do you think that the recent underperformance of value versus growth equities is coming to an end? Well, our stance is that we still expect value equities to outperform growth style equities over the next 6 to 12 months. Uh, Obviously, we acknowledge that a transition toward a more modest pace of economic growth could lead to bouts of near-term underperformance. Uh, but we would view these as, these corrections as part of the journey, as long as global growth obviously remains well-supported. Um, renewed fears around COVID-19 Delta variant are likely one of the key catalysts for the move lower in bond yields. And as we, uh, if listeners remember, as we highlighted in our original rationale for this view of value of performance versus growth, uh, the increasing yields are a key catalyst here. So it is no surprise that the drop over the past few months weighted on value equities. However, the the point here is that we think that the decline in the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield is likely overdone in our view, and we expect it to resume its previous trend higher towards 1.75 over a 6 to 12-month horizon, followed as well by a steepening of the yield curve. So from a sector perspective, uh, we continue to favor financials and energy in the U.S. and euro area, even though financials have recently slipped on lower interest rates and loan books. But we believe that loan growth will gradually recover alongside global growth. Uh, Okay, lastly, moving on to currencies, we have seen the US dollar strengthen since the June FOMC meeting. Now, what would be the catalyst for the dollar to resume its long-term downtrend? uh, Or put differently, what would cause G10 currencies to rise from current levels? Absolutely. So, uh, first of all, FX markets could remain rage-bound during the remaining summer weeks uh, when market liquidity liquidity is usually lighter and catalysts can create volatility either way. Um, when we look at the G10 currency basket, this contains uh, risk-on currencies such as the Australian, New Zealand, and Canadian dollar, as well as the British pound, uh, but also risk-off safe haven currencies such as the Japanese yen and the Swiss franc. Now, in our view, the strong uh, or improving global growth, as well as the continued policy, Fed policy accommodation, and the passage of substantial U.S. fiscal stimulus could bode well for uh, high beta currencies especially. Now, given our bearish view on the U.S. dollar medium term, we expect investors will buy the dip. And here particularly, we like the Australian dollar and the euro. Uh, For the Australian dollar, we look at levels of 74 cents uh, as a support level. And for the euro, we're looking at 117 as support level. Uh, But on the the upside, uh, should we see rallies in these currencies uh, above 76 cents for the Aussie dollar and 120 for the euro? For us, these would constitute technical signals and indicate that the next leg higher for these currencies has resumed. Uh, Lastly, just to touch on, we think that as the markets uh, behave in a range-bound way, safe haven currencies and undervalued currencies such as the Japanese yen yen could outperform in these kind of markets. So we would take this opportunity to buy the yen 
which could also provide insurance for investors' portfolios in the near term. Thanks again, Marco, for joining our conversation today. That is all for this episode of Standard Chartered Money Insights. If you would like to learn more or read our publications, please visit our website at sc.com under Market Insights. As a reminder, if you enjoyed our discussion, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.